0: welcome to the pactum i'm pat abendroth with mike grimes and on today's episode we are talking about one of my very very favorite statements ever made by jesus and
1: uh but before we do that mike yeah how summer going summer's going fantastic It's coming to a close though we are near the beginning of school, which means summer is about over. It's been a good summer. I think this is probably one of my top summer. Weather-wise, that I can remember.
0: Oh, so because it's been so it's been so a mild summer. Hot?
1: No, I thought it's been pretty good.
0: A couple weeks ago, I saw 106 well, degrees on a bicycle ride. You know, that's because I, right I was on my on my hands and feet or hands and feet. My <laughs> hands and knees
1: crawling because I wasn't sure I could function inside in the AC. It's been nice, so <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> it's been my favorite summer ever. <laughs> no, because I just my, think it hasn't been that hot, but maybe I haven't been places. I don't know. It's you pretty know.
0: mild right now, but I think you know we're, we're still in the summertime. We're gonna. St- we're going to still see some hot
1: days. Yeah, we are.
0: So you traveled early in the summer. You early went in to the Branson. Did the Branson deal? Yep. Is
1: everyone a Christian in Branson, or everyone is like? A- I think everyone would like you to think they're a Christian in <laughs> Branson, hey, hey. Branson, Missouri. Branson, Missouri. I don't, I don't know. I say Missouri, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And you went to the Dolly Parton kind of oh, what, yeah. what do they call that
0: the well corral?
1: uh what's it called now because you can't say what it used to be called because then we get ourselves canceled and shut down oh. it's called the dolly parton stampede okay because it used to be the other stampede. yeah i,
0: I was <laughs> speaking at an fca event one time and they uh, bought us tickets for that and i thought it was going to be not so cool
1: it was fun it's fun yeah it's a fun thing you get to eat with your hands not use silverware you get a you know cheer on yep. horses and stuff now, my, one of my kids got to go out there and chase chickens <laughs> during the show. So hey, that was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's Pactum approved. You know, now Dolly Parton's not there, but you know no. they, they like video her in from yes, a long time ago yep, or something
1: like do. that. Yeah.
0: Whew, well, Did you do anything fun? We spent a week in Arkansas, mountain hey. biking, hanging out, met some some Pactum verse members. That was kind of fun, and uh, also was at Luke Abendroth uh, at his wedding. He's my nephew. So no compromise, junior. No like, compromise, that, that, ju- that, that, no co. Junior. Yeah. Yep. So we had a great time and hung out with some Packedham folks there and some friends there. Did some cycling and uh, wrapping up the summertime. Did some tree trimming. Not so Ooh, good at that. That's fun.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come trim one of my trees. I got a dead tree. Oh, just...
0: I've got some steel toe boots you could borrow. There you How go. About <laughs>
1: that,
0: is what I would let you do.
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: Cool. So we're gonna wrap up the summertime series, but uh, oh, conference. Yes, I met. I, I met lots of people that are coming to the conference. Did you? And so I was encouraged to, to know that that's happening. We're going to have a great time in October. What are the dates on that again? October 6th and 7th here
1: in Omaha, Nebraska at all, Omaha Bible Church. All things new. Please yes. register ahead of time. We're going to have a
0: great time. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, You can have a photo op on the Pactum sofa. Yeah. You can hang out with D.G. Hart, historian who's written who knows how many books. Lots of books. My, Several. Mike Abendroth, Michael Beck. And uh, myself, it's we're going gonna to have, awesome. have a great time, do some special pack to me kinds of things. Yeah. And I like for conferences, I like the hangout time uh, sure. as yep. much as the actual lecture. So yep. I can listen to lectures anytime, YouTube, you know, podcasts, but actually hands on time, hanging out time. Hair down time, all that kind of stuff, I think is is actually worth it. It's why I actually go to conferences. Yeah, lots of fun. It's the best
1: part of all. It is good. So if you want to get signed up and registered to join us for that, you can go to thepactum.org and click on the link that'll take you to get signed up. It's 25 bucks. quick and easy. Do it right now. Do it. Go for it. On today's episode of the Summertime
0: Series, we have a, what, interview? It's an interview. It's yes, an interview you with, with our Scott. Our Clark. Scott Clark. My yes. friend, Scott Clark. I actually saw him when I was in California, Scott and Barbara, a dear and sweet couple who are good friends of the Pactum. I'm thankful yes. for the Clarks. Yep. And so this on this interview with Scott Clark, we talk about that great, great passage uh, in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus says, do this and live. Mm, yeah. And it's one of my favorite statements because it makes so much sense of the Bible. Do this and live. If you want eternal life, you have to do this. You have to obey the law personally, personally, personally. Did I get that
1: right? You said personally twice. (laughs)
0: perfectly personally and perpetually is kind of the way i like to say it and uh, we know that no one has done this no one can earn eternal life by obeying because we're in adam but we know that the lord jesus christ fulfilled the law on our behalf it makes so much sense of the bible what god requires what god provides through the lord jesus christ and uh it's an awesome awesome episode
1: and i think you will appreciate it yeah so enjoy this episode of the Pactum and enjoy the end of your summer. Hey
0: everyone and welcome to the Pactum. I'm Pat Abendroth and on this episode we're going to talk about do this and live. It is one of my very favorite topics. This is episode 51. I'm not with Mike Grimes today in our posh Pactum studio. But I'm not alone. I'm with some of the Pactum verse Posse I'm looking at right now. A whole room of Pactum friends, thankful for that. And I'm on campus of Westminster Seminary, California. Why, you might be wondering? Well, to interview one of my friends. One of my friends about one of my very favorite topics, something he knows a lot about, a very important topic. Our guest is a minister in the United Reformed Churches in North America, Professor of church history and historical theology at Westminster Seminary, California. He has authored and edited numerous books. I'll only mention two right now, Recovering the Reformed Confession and Covenant Justification and Pastoral Ministry. He's the host of the Heidelcast and the Heidel blog. Our guest today is Scott Clark. Hi, Scott, and welcome to the Pactum. I am happy to be here. So, Scott, what have, what have you been working on lately, project-wise? I know you've been busy.
2: I am trying, desperately, uh, to finish a commentary on the Heidelberg Catechism. Oh, you are? Yeah. When's that supposed to be done? I know uh, you're not supposed to ask questions (laughs) like that. Yeah, I'm about three years or so past my deadline, so I've blown that deadline badly. Target Uh, audience? What kind of readership? uh, Pastors, seminary students, elders, uh, interested lay people, college students. um, So if you're you're looking for a serious... Commentary that puts the Heidelberg Catechism in its 16th century context and medieval context, patristic context, um, and and then really tries to explain it and apply it. uh, So there's even some practice in there. Excellent. We're talking about practice. We we know you know how
0: to use that word. Not a
2: game. Not a game. We 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 know that
0: for sure. So I also want to congratulate you before we get into the do this and live emphasis for the show. Uh, Congratulate you on finishing up a long, great run with office hours. Oh, thank you. How long how many
2: years did you do office hours as the host? You know, I'm not I can't it right at this exact moment I can't say more than 12. Okay. But I I think something like that. I didn't I didn't think they had podcasts 12 years ago. It was ago. very early. We okay. we honestly yeah, it's one of the uh it was there were some podcasts in the world, uh-huh. but there
0: were not a ton. You did have a great run and uh, uh-huh. I think that's the first time I ever was introduced to you. Uh, listening to the show, maybe Pactam listeners might find it interesting. I didn't know Scott was from Nebraska. I didn't know anything about him, uh, even though I'd listened to him for a long, long time. I was introduced to the seminary and then eventually Scott Clark because R.C. Sproul recommended Westminster Seminary California. Mm. He said, if you want to learn more about imputation, the active obedience of Christ, justification, sola fide, all of these great, great doctrines, uh, go to Westminster Seminary California. And then I had a class with him. I had a class with Mike Horton, and I was learning so much, Scott, and it was so helpful to understand, and also to understand that maybe a lot of dispensational brethren kind of folks Mm -hmm. denied these kinds of doctrines, and I had no idea. And so I bought every book Mike Horton ever (laughs) wrote. I kid you not. That's
2: not a small investment.
0: I bought them all, and then I thought, what else do I need to learn from that seminary? And so I started listening to Office Hours. I listened to Mm -hmm. every single episode. So thank you. You had a big influence in my life. And then I found out you liked Runza.
2: (laughs) Now you have to explain what that is. I I, I found out
0: you were from Nebraska. And so you lived in Omaha (laughs) and Lincoln. And all of a sudden we eat at the same kind of places. And uh, we've been friends for some time now. And I'm really grateful for you and for your influence in my life and helping me when I need help theologically. So thank you very much, Scott.
2: I'm grateful for you. So I love Omaha Bible Church and and recommend it to everybody who asks.
0: Do you remember the time when you came one Sunday and I greeted you at the door with your wife, and uh, I knew you were coming, and then the next week I didn't know you were there, and I said something, I was respectful, but something about a theologian being here last week and intimidating and all this kind of stuff, and uh, little did I know, after the service you patted me on the back and said, hi, Pat, how you doing today? (laughs)
2: Yeah, no, it was fine. It was fine. I, oh. I've been in services where people didn't know I was there and, and said other things. So, Well, yeah, th- there is that. <laughs> no, that was fine. It, it, it's always very edifying and, and encouraging, and, and the people have always been very gracious, and, and um, so I, I love it there.
0: Great. Appreciate it. So do this and live. Today, if you're wondering what that means, do this and live, you're listening to the right podcast and the right episode. If you already know what do this and live means, I think you're also listening to the right podcast and the right episode, and I'm so thankful that we're talking to Scott Clark today about this matter do this and live. My first question for you Scott is where does that statement come from? Do this and live. Where is that from? Is it in the New Testament? Is it is it in the Old Testament? What's the origin of do this and live? well I go to uh, Luke 1028 good because that's in my notes so I'm the, thankful that the, you're going there
2: so that's the first place that uh, that you can go okay so, so this is the the lawyer uh, who already probably thinks in terms of, of works right if you ever talk to a lawyer um I have I uh, because I'm involved in or- in an organization now we have a corporate lawyer. Okay. So that's been a life-changing experience. <laughs> so I've uh, I've been helped by lawyers before in the past and uh, but I've never actually employed one. I think they're
0: helpful sometimes they, and they're, yes. they're hurtful at other times.
2: <laughs> yes, well I now know the uh, what the expression time is money okay. means. I know, I know what that means. So uh, a, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus and he said teacher what shall I do, just from the ESV, to e- inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And then the lawyer said, you shall love the Lord God with all your God ha- with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And uh, Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Ah, there it is. Do
0: this, and you will live. And we've shortened it to say, do this and live. But do this and you will live. That's where it comes from. It comes from Luke chapter 10. It comes from Jesus. Uh, it's also used in the, in the Old Testament. In the Old right? Testament, so yep. Le-
2: uh, Leviticus 18.5. Yep. And in Leviticus 18.5, God says to his people, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am Yahweh. There it is. And so, and we have some good insight
0: as to what that means, because Jesus obviously would know what it means better than anyone else. It's also used in Romans chapter 10, verse five, the person who does the commandments shall
2: live by them. Right. Right. In Romans seven, Paul said, I I, I thought that by doing the commandments, I could have life by them.
0: So it's the same
2: concept, same Same idea, do this and live. Yeah. So he thought, um, and he's confessing that the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is good. The law is holy. The, God, the law reflects God's nature. Uh, it, it, it's perfect. So the, the problem is never, ever with the law of God. Okay, so, so with that in mind, let's move on to another
0: question. I have about 10 or so questions uh, as we go. So the next question then is, we see it in the Bible. We hear it from Jesus. What does it mean? To do this and live, do this and live in what sense? Do this and have a happy life, a fulfilled (laughs) life. As long as you do
2: this, you'll be prosperous. Uh, No, it means obey the law perfectly or go to hell. Oh, (laughs) okay. And suffer eternally uh, without remission.
0: So I noticed you drew special attention to verse 25 back in Luke 10. It is about eternal life. So it's not about a fulfilled life. Although if you could do this and live, you would have a fulfilled life. But the question is not about that. Right.
2: Well, or you or you'd get nailed to a cross. Jesus did this and he got nailed to a cross. I see what you're saying. He's so, he's the unique one who did this. He's the he's the unique one. So yep. I mean, even doing all of this doesn't necessarily lead to blessedness in this life. It's I see. At, least, yes. at least after the fall. I see. Yep. yep. Now before the fall, it was different. Right? In my mind and in and in our tradition, that's where that go, it goes back to. Um, God came to Adam before the fall and said, you can eat from any of the trees in the garden except for this one. Um, you can you can eat from the tree of life, but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat thereof, Genesis 2.17, you shall surely die. And, right. th- and that was basically, that was the Ten Commandments in one sentence. Uh, the, it, it, what God was saying to uh, Adam, as the representative of, of all humanity, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself.
0: And, do do and, this and live. You'll gain eternal life do for, this the, and live. for those you represent, for yourself?
2: That's right. If you obey this law, you will enter into a state of blessedness with me, you and everyone whom you represent. Yep. Which fits Romans chapter 5. And, and, and 7, in a way. So uh, Adam had the potential within him to do it, and had he... Uh, obeyed had he chosen to obey and then they were given a test and they failed the test perfect o- all they had to do was not perfect obey they had they had it within them they were not fallen they were not sinful they were not corrupt and mysteriously uh, they chose to uh, believe a lie to to break the law to steal to covet um to commit idolatry
0: so, do this and live. We, we really can't stress the importance, right? I, enough.,
2: you, know, you it's absolutely basic. If you don't understand that principle, then you you really fundamentally don't understand the Bible. excellent because yep. it's it's uh, theologically considered that principle is half in a sense, it's half the Bible.
0: And Scott, the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is I know you have strong convictions about this matter because you need to, because it's so important. And so as people are listening to this, I I would like them to hear us say over and over again, I'll try to do my part in doing that. Do this and live, do this and live. If you hear that statement. Whether it 's directly like that or similar to that, do this and live, we have to understand what that means, or we don 't understand the bible we don't understand salvation, we don't understand our sin, we can 't stress it enough how important this matter is correct
2: and, a, a, amen if you don't and, and when i didn't i 'll just speak personally um, you, you know there was a way in which I could articulate this theoretically, but I did not get this principle, for example, relative to preaching for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I just—I didn't. Um, and so I would uh, preach a gospel sermon. I remember preaching a whole series. I preached through the entire book of Exodus very closely, you know, carefully, grammatically, historically, redemptive historically, whole nine yards. And at the end of more than one of those sermons, I remember basically coming back to the people after, after having said, the Lord graciously delivered you out of Egypt— And then coming back to them, and in effect, at the end of the sermon, saying, "Do this and live." Um, So, as a pastor, uh, not recognizing the difference between "do this and live," and Christ has done this for you, and therefore you live in light of that, right? Not making that distinction, I kept putting my my people uh, unintentionally back under. The, the Do This and Live principle. And uh-huh. it, it was making them miserable. It was definitely making me miserable. right? And it, it was very frustrating. And I didn't uh, understand uh, what I was doing. It took 10 years for me to find out what I was doing. And, and I'll give credit. It was Mike Horton uh, in a summer conference here on this campus about seven yards behind us in the, in the student lounge – we didn't have the chapel back then. And Mike stood up and gave a 20-minute talk on the difference between law and gospel relative to preaching.
0: So that's related to this whole thing, the law and gospel, because that, that, that's do this, we're this and talking live is about. law. Yep, yeah. absolutely. When,
2: when, you, when you're talking about do this and live, you're talking about law. And when you say Christ is done for you, you're talking about gospel.
0: Outstanding. So if you
2: don't make that distinction, Martin Luther said if you can't make that distinction, you don't understand the Bible. If you can make that distinction, you're a theologian. If you can't make it, you're not a theologian.
0: I've I've heard you make this confession before, so I appreciate it. We we theoretically have the special thing on the pactum called pactum absolvum. No, we don't actually. So I can't absolve you, <laughs> but I do appreciate your honesty. <laughs> so <laughs> now, now let's talk about theological categories. Uh, the, not not theological categories, but let's talk about other points of theology that are relevant to this. Let's talk about do this and live as it relates to the covenant of works. Let's talk about it as it relates to justification, the imputation of Christ's righteousness, because these
2: things are related, correct? Well, they are. The, the, the righteousness which is imputed to us is Christ's doing so that we can live.
0: So righteousness means adherence to law, Christ?
2: Yeah. Christ a- actively suffered his whole life. So we, t- we distinguish conceptually, not chronologically, but good, conceptually good. between two aspects of Christ's obedience, his active obedience and his suffering obedience. Passive in this case is really Latin. It's it's almost I, a transliteration. I told you you couldn't use any Latin. <laughs> yet, so. <laughs> Sorry about that. It just comes out. I, it's, the, it's the one Pentecostal aspect in me. Is, okay. is the, okay. the, Latin, the Latin comes out from time to time. So it, um, uh, it, it's the case that... Uh, the when we say passive, right, we're talking about suffering. We're not talking about necessarily things being done to Jesus. It's code for it's theological code for his suffering obedience. Yes, isn't it so, something like passim? It's passio, passera. I um, told you not to talk about Latin. Patior. So <laughs> he asks me Latin questions and then tells me not. Um, so. Uh, Jesus, all his life, Heidelberg 37 says that he, he suffered all his life, and especially at the end of his life on the cross.
0: Even death on a cross, Even Philippians the, 2.
2: And it's all for us. Yep. He did it all for us. He was born under the law. So— uh, for us uh, born of a woman under the law for us he didn't have to qualify himself that's a really important point that people have uh, muddled a lot over the years there's a theory that says jesus had to qualify himself and then so that that part of his obedience was, was for himself and then just at the very end that's for us okay that's a mistake don't say that and because it's not true uh, what is true is that all of what all of what he did was in our place as our substitute. So all his obedience was substitutionary, not just his death. His death is certainly substitutionary, and if you deny that, I think you, you've attacked the gospel. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, uh, but all of his obedience is for us, and the, the Christian needs to know that that everything Jesus did is credited. And so that, uh, you know, I keep going back to the Heidelberg Catechism in part because that's what I've been working on, but that's what sort of shapes my uh, th- my rhetoric. This is where I get, I get my language, my categories for understanding Scripture. And Heidelberg 60 says, it is as if we had done everything that Jesus did for us.
0: Beautifully put.
2: And so all of that is credited. And by the way, it's credited to us even though we continue to sin and, and uh, even to go back to Heidelberg 60, even though I am all prone always to all evil, hmm. so even so, even though I still struggle with sin, and that gets us back to, to Romans 7, I take Paul uh, in Romans 7 after he discusses the law, so about verse 7 and following to the end of the, the chapter, uh, he's describing himself. And he's saying, this is my experience uh, as a Christian, and I, I want to keep the law, and I don't keep the law, and sometimes I despair and i and I say, what what will become of me and then, at the end, he has this marvelous doxology right that that's the struggle of the Christian, and the reason that he's able to struggle with sin is because Christ's righteousness is credited to him, which is why he says what he says in chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus we um we've been justified and and Everything Jesus did is credited to us, and that's why we struggle with sin, not in order to be accepted or even in order to be saved, but because we have been accepted and because we have been saved and we are being saved and we are being sanctified, and we shall finally be vindicated.
0: Amen. Amen. So we have Jesus perfectly obeying because Jesus did this so that we might live, so that we might have life, correct? Am I getting it it right? You're getting it right. This is Romans 5.18. This is the do this and live principle. He does it. Sometimes we call it the covenant of works, right? Because salvation is by
2: doing this, right? There are two two covenants in the Bible that that cover all of Scripture, and they're not just historical, they're theological. Uh, The first is the covenant of works before the fall, and the second is the covenant of grace. After the fall, God came to, and and, and most of us would say it was God the Son who came to Adam and Eve after the fall. And uh, he said, what are you people doing? That's a paraphrase. What are you people doing and, and um, that that was God the Son, and it was God the Son who said the the, the, uh, the seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent 's head and the serpent is going to strike his heel right The son said that to Adam about what what he himself was going to do when he became incarnate guaranteed,
0: guaranteed going to happen
2: he guaranteed so there's the, there's the, the 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 first public announcement of the covenant of grace, and all through the History of the Old Testament, the covenant of grace it comes again and again in various forms and finally comes to fruition, fulfillment, realization in, uh, in Christ. And, um, and the covenant of grace always says, uh, I will do this for you in, in one way or another. So when the Apostle Paul says in Romans 2.13, the doers of the yeah. law
0: will be justified— yeah, that, that means do more, try harder, because <laughs> only the doers of the law will be justified. Or yeah. am I, do I have that wrong?
2: You do have that wrong. Um, no, that is such a great passage. I love that um, because it, um, it it again there again Paul is articulating this covenant of works principle so clearly. Um, and and by the way, this is the way virtually in the classical period all of our uh, guys took Romans two thirteen this way.
0: And read some new commentaries, and you're going to be not enlightened.
2: Oh. Yeah, it's so discouraging. I, I use
0: it as a litmus test to figure out if people really understand justification Well, that's
2: right. Do they understand? Can they read a text, and can they read the Bible? And Romans 2.13 really couldn't be very much clearer. For, verse 12, For all who have sinned outside of the law, meaning uh, not having heard the Torah, the, the first five books of the Old Testament, will also perish uh, without the law. For all who have sinned under the Torah will be judged by the Torah. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. And, and there's Paul articulating, again, this basic works, principle, do this and live. This and, is not a promise to those who are united to Christ that if you cooperate sufficiently—listen, there are re- quote-unquote Reformed theologians who've said this.
0: Scott, I mean, there are a lot of things I like about you. I like it that you like runs of sandwiches. I like it that you're from Nebraska. You're a Cornhusker fan. You've got a Cornhusker hat on go right rent. now, right? But I like this more about you because you understand Romans chapter 2 and have
2: passion and conviction about it. So I've had, thank I, you. I've listened to so many people give muddled explanations uh, of Paul because they don't understand the distinction between law and gospel. One of the curses that's been afflicted on, on the, my people over the last 75 years is, is the ignorance and rejection of the distinction between law and gospel. Yep. So we have, a, uh, we have guys who think, well, that's a Lutheran thing. And if you think that, if you're listening to me, you're an idiot. With all due respect, (laughs) I think it's our number one episode,
0: actually, and it was early on in the pactum, and it was pretty slow and pretty dry, but I'm thankful that it's the number one listened to episode on law and gospel.
2: it's, It's hugely important, and that's really all we're talking about. Paul is articulating the law here. He's not making a promise to to believers who are united to Christ that you know and who have sufficient spirit wrought sanctity that eventually they'll be accepted with God.
0: Exactly. So, and by
2: the way, there's no final salvation through works either. That's also nonsense. Just ab- stop saying that, please. And I'm talking to you, John Piper, because I know you listen to every episode of the pact.
0: There you go. We're actually going to get to that in a little bit. Okay. So we, we better hustle, though. You're going you're gonna to be out late. Your wife's going to be worried, wondering where you are. <laughs> oh, t- the heidel dog she, she is going to be extra not, spicy. Well,
2: she might be, but the, the wife's not too worried about me.
0: Okay, so why would anyone oppose this? The, this do this and live reality. Why would anyone oppose this? And we're just so you know we're on about question number four of about ten.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, Eddie, it's a he's a rookie. He still thinks he can get through all his questions. Um, <laughs> People oppose this for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, they just don't know about it. They've never heard of That's it. That's fair. And, and, and if somebody's listening and they
0: don't know about it, we welcome them to listen. We're not trying to make fun of them. We're no, not trying to no, dog Pat,
2: them. No, Pat will help you. There you go. Listen to Pat. He will help you. Uh, listen to the Heidelcast. I will help you. Uh, there are lots of places where you can get this figured out. Heidel, heidelblog.net. Uh, lots of stuff there. Sl- uh, slash resources. We're going to promote your
0: resources, resources. later. Right. Answer the question.
2: So, it's all there. It's all there. If so, people don't know, and and so they they come to Scripture with um, you know out of ignorance, and and they can't make sense of it. And they other people are simply opposed to it. They think that if you say the kinds of things that you and I are saying, right. that um, it will lead to a lack of sanctification. That you you can't just tell people Jesus did it for you, and and as a consequence, you're being gradually. Uh, sanctified by uh, grace alone through faith alone. And if you say that, that you you won't get the desired outcome.
0: Yeah, um, and you and and you may end up having assurance, right? People well, there, who, people who don't like assurance definitely
2: don't like it. There are people who who think that assurance is, you know, they're a little worried that if you if you have Rome certainly thinks that if you have if you have assurance now you're going to be lazy. You won't uh, be sufficiently sanctified. You won't mortify your sins sufficiently. And, and you won't do what she tells you to do. She has a lot of extra rules that she wants to put you uh, under. Yes. So yes. there's all of that. Um, but I, there, I think there are a lot of people who are afraid that if you just – if you tell people that justification is free, sanctification is free, and it results in good works, they think, well, I don't see how that works. And yep. so then um, – so, you know, it, it is a kind of rationalism that says I know what I want and, and the way you're telling me to get it is indirect, Right this is uh, I, the, the way I'm advocating is uh, very beautifully uh, described in a volume the title of which is The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification. We're fans. That's two a great two, two
0: episodes on it.
2: So it's a, it, it's a wonderful book and it will help you uh, get this and uh, or the marrow of modern divinity. That will also help you. But the people who don't like those books uh, want they want a straight line between your good works and your your justification or your, your salvation because they want to put you on the hook and they want to put you back under, in our terms, the covenant of works in order to get you to be good.
0: Instead of praising God for what he's provided in his perfect redemptive and, work on our and behalf. And trusting
2: him. The, the Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not our work. He uses us, but it's not our work. The Holy Spirit accomplishes sanctification in his people through the preaching of the gospel, and we would say the use of the holy sacraments, he gradually conforms us to Christ, and that's his business, and we have to be content to to uh, to uh, wait on him, to trust him, um, and, and not to try to outsmart him. I mean, yes, we want people to be sanctified, and we want them to struggle with sin. They, they must struggle with sin, and we want to see good fruit and, and, um, and, and good works, uh, but— as we say in Belgic Confession twenty four, you're you're justified even before you do good works. It's it's good trees that produce good fruit. Jesus did say something to that effect.
0: And we want people to strive, but we want them to strive out of resting, right? Uh, yes, rest in uh, Christ.
2: Out of hope, out of confidence, out of trust, and not and not out of um, an ungodly fear or not under a covenant of works. If you want to know what it looks like to strive, uh, you know, under a covenant of works, look at Paul before he's converted.
0: Great point. Great point.
2: Right, there's I, a guy seeking yeah. acceptance with God through his obedience. And what did Paul say in Philippians three about that whole process? He, he summed it up in one word. And you're Sc- Scubalon. There you go. You and I are from Nebraska. I, I learned to drive in a pasture in southwestern Kansas, and uh, right, and I clean up the backyard with occasionally. Right. So we know this what is a family is. show, so we're just we, going to kind of yeah, leave it what at that, that, that is.
0: right? Yeah. So I'm afraid to ask a historian a question about history, because who knows? Who knows how long you might be able to pontificate <laughs> about <laughs> I'll such things? Be, I'll be brief. So people are listening, no doubt some, and thinking, do this and live. I've, I've not heard this before. It sounds maybe novel, Well, it's in the Bible. I mean, you're quoting Scripture. Okay, fair point. We don't even need to get into the history of things.
2: Well, I mean, it's worthwhile to get into history, but I don't want people to think, well, he's just making things up. No, the phrase is in the Bible, so the question is, what does it mean? So let's talk about Protestant history, Reformed theology, Mm -hmm. the
0: history of Reformed theology. This is not a novel thing. This isn't a new thing to come up with. No, 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 no,
2: no. All our writers... Um, Talk about this principle, you know. Either they don't always call it the covenant of works because we didn't start talking that way until about 1561. Okay, Uh, but the principle is there from the very beginning of the Reformation.
0: Okay, so call it whatever you want to call
2: it. In a sense,
0: yeah. But the reality is there, and it's taught and emphasized and with clarity. And there's
2: no good reason not to call it a covenant of works, covenant of nature, covenant of life. Those are all the different ways. Covenant of law. We've we've called it all those things, and those are good ways of, of describing this principle. And there's no good reason for not talking that way. But uh, what you know, maybe the the language of covenant is unfamiliar to you. And then I think, well, you don't read the Bible very much, do you? Because it's in the Bible a couple of hundred times.
0: Think formal agreement, right? Sure.
2: I mean, yeah. Um, so
0: Adam had a formal agreement with God, right? There's a, a, a formal arrangement. He couldn't do
2: whatever he wanted to do. He was under obligation. He had to do what God said. This is the covenant in my blood. There you go. I, it's, it's, even if you say, well, that's Old Testament, well, it's in the New Testament right. too.
0: Right. Let's talk about the practical nature of all of this a little bit. You've kind of already went there with your preaching yeah. and feeling convicted. But let's talk about the practical side of this. It's practical because of things like assurance, as you mentioned. Um, what about when we're reading our Bible? If you're reading at home, reading the Bible, how is it that you need to keep in mind there is this do the, do this and live principle built into any text you're reading? Mm. And I have an example if you want one, but if you want to just speak in generalities
2: first. William Perkins is a great Reformed theologian from the late 16th century and, and died in the very early 17th century, He's uh, sometimes called the father of English Puritanism. And uh, he's an Anglican, so he's Episcopalian in his polity. But uh, he's a Protestant. He's a Luther reader. Uh, he's a Reformation guy. Is it the art of prophesying? Art preaching of prophesying. Book? Okay. Yeah. So it's the, which is the art of preaching? It uh-huh. was a homiletic b- book. His all of his works now are in print. So I I recommend uh, Perkins on Galatians. Marvelous! It'll change your life. Uh, so uh, the the true uh, the true Catholic. Uh, anyway, the Reformed Catholic, another marvelous book. Um, uh, Perkins said, when you're reading a, a text, you have to know, uh, basically, is this passage law or is it gospel? Theodore Beza said, the biggest problem plaguing our- the interpret the reading of the Bible now and theology now is the inability of people to distinguish between law and gospel.
0: And so, and what we mean by that is, is this telling me I must obey? Yeah. Perfectly. Is this law, gospel? Or excuse me, is it law? Is this telling me to do this and live in principle? Yeah. So I'll say, Oh, I can't, I didn't, I need to look outside of myself. That's right. Right?
2: The law so the purpose of the law, the first job of the law anyway, is to teach you the greatness of your sin and misery and to drive you to Christ. So you're when you're reading a passage you ask yourself, what's the purpose of this passage? Is it driving me to Christ? Is it promising me free salvation in Christ? Or is it instruction on how to live in light of what Christ has done for me? So we have these these uh, three uses of the law. So the first use is um, this driving to Christ use. The yes. second use is the is how we live in civil society, don't steal, right? And the third use is how do I live— uh, now that I am freely accepted by God in Christ. And and uh, so I don't steal now because Christ has set me free. I don't, I don't have to steal anymore. I, I don't want to steal anymore because I've been redeemed. Uh, I don't want to be an idolater. I don't want to be a coveter. Uh, I don't want to be an adulterer. And, um, and so the, the law norms your, your Christian life. So I say that just so that people don't think, well, you people are you lazy, morally lazy, free grace people, and you don't have any place for the, the, the law and the Christian life. And that's just nonsense. Of course we do.
0: Yep. OK, I have a text and I'd like you to talk to me about whether or not it's law or gospel. So I think I saw this perhaps um, in your house on some kind of needlepoint crochet framed on the <laughs> wall. I kid. Uh, but I'm sure it's in some of our listeners' homes on a plaque or something like that. Uh, they say it's their life verse. How about this? He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, eight Is that law or gospel? It's law. Um. Say what? It's law. Seriously? Yeah. So we, we, have, we have law verses hanging up in our in our house. Is, yeah. is that okay?
2: No, that's fine. You just have to understand what it is. The law is good and, and holy and just and right. And, and uh, in Christ, if you're united to Christ, who is your law keeper for you, who's your substitute, and you're not intending to, to uh, present yourself to God on the basis of your obedience— then this is fine. Now, if this is your life plan and this is how you plan to present yourself to God, you're in a lot of trouble. It,
0: because it's really a do this and live kind of text. It is text. a do
2: this and live, right? This is what Yahweh requires. Um, that's the word there. That's the Lord's name. This is the covenant God. What does Yahweh require of you? Do justice. Well, uh, are you underpaying h- your h- employees? H- how's that going for you? <laughs> how's that going for you? Are you underpaying your employees? Are you treating them well? Right. Um, are you Are you loving your neighbor? Uh, Did you, uh, you know, run a stop sign? Uh, Did did you pay your taxes or did you cut corners somewhere? Uh, So there's a—just thinking about that, there's a CPA in the room. So, um, right, Uh, do you love kindness? Have you walked humbly with with your God? And, and, right, have you done that? Have you really hit that mark? Because the law said, "Cursed is everyone, Galatians 3.10. Paul quotes this. He's quoting Deuteronomy. Is it 27.26 or 26.27? I don't know. I have a block. I can never remember. It's Too either, much NutraSweet neut- earlier in It's either 26, 27 or twenty seven, twenty six. but it's in there.
0: Speaking of obeying the law today, Scott, you, I told we were texting back and forth. We were riding, riding, bicycling, cycling today.
2: How were you texting me while you were bicycling? Uh,
0: this smart kind of phone
2: here. <laughs> I and, what you were doing.
0: And, yeah, and so I said we were in Elfin Forest, and uh, Scott said, oh, be careful of the cars or something like that because they're known to drive 40 and 45 miles an hour and crazy. And Because so, it's, it's a
2: lot of tight, windy – turns in there.
0: Scott, the funny thing is we were
2: riding 40 miles an hour. Oh, good for you. Well, okay, I have seen more than one bicyclist on the side of the road, so it's like a a, a, a gazelle down on the... No, we appreciated that you were
0: looking out for us, but it was just kind of funny. You were
2: going faster than the cars. We
0: we, we were being lawbreakers, perhaps, I heard as a rumor.
2: Cursed. I mean, I think the speed limit's forty or forty-five, but just like, people want to hit you. So cursed. The, Galatians three ten says, "Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything which is written in the book of the law." So you don't. It's there's no trying, right? There's only doing. Right? I'm I was always going to go. Yoda. <laughs> You're going to go Yoda. It's going to go Yoda. There is no try, right? There's there's no trying. There's only doing, and there's no best effort. There's no you know partial credit. Uh, either you did it or you didn't. And I'm telling you, if you're listening and you think, well, I'm not bad, you are deluded. You didn't do it. Jesus did it. And that's it.
0: Okay, so let's talk about opponents. We yeah. talked about what kind of person wouldn't like this, but specifically. So the papists don't like it. They don't like assurance. They want to lower the law and make it somehow attainable uh, through some sort of sure. God helping us with grace to do it through grace and works. Well, but,
2: well I mean, yeah, they— Sort of. I mean, they 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 have two different merit systems set up. So, it, it, but it is true. You they they do have a system of congruent merit where God imputes perfection to your best efforts.
0: There you go. You know, just obviously problematic. So we're lowering the standard, like
2: well, yeah, Paul talks about te- in Romans there, ten. There is a tendency, yeah, to cheat and lower the standard and say, well, God doesn't really expect real absolute perfection, and that that's simply not true. Jesus didn't die because God didn't accept. Uh, that, that God accepts your best efforts.
0: So big, big names that we might know, maybe in reform circles or evangelical circles of people who don't like to do this and live, Covenant of Works, Law-Gospel Distinction. So we can so we can not buy their books or people or people who recommend them.
2: (laughs) How much trouble do you want me to get into? I've already I've already gone. You mentioned John Piper, but
0: okay. So John Piper is on the list. Student of Dan Fuller, he wrote the intro to Dan Fuller's Unity of the Bible and made fun of this kind of stuff in the intro.
2: Daniel Fuller uh, rejected classical Protestant theology, and Fuller set up a system of essentially justification through works. Um, and um, he rejected the distinction between law and gospel, um, so he 's a sort of ex dispensationalist of some kind uh, yeah. and um, and he turned to moralism as the as the consequence
0: and we see it coming out in some of the writings of john Piper yeah, it's a, they seem to have gotten better later on well uh, but it 's still in, around
2: in some respects because uh, he 's still teaching uh, uh, what 's the um, future grace thank yeah. you yeah it 's future grace, so in future grace. Uh, and then in subsequent uh, sermons and, and talks and things, John has argued that uh, there are two stages. So what he did was several years ago, John embraced uh, you know, justification by grace alone through faith alone on the basis of the imputed righteousness of Christ. Right. And Daniel was, was not happy with that. But what he did was he said, that's the first stage. So now we have final a uh, kind of final justification later. Well yeah, he, he talks about final salvation through works. yep so you have an, an initially you, so you're you're out on bond, you're out on bail but you're not you're not ultimately finally saved. you're out on bond you still have to come back for a hearing and uh, you're at, at your last hearing, you're going to be saved. At least in part, though he doesn't always say this, through your good works, uh, Desiring God Ministries tweeted out notoriously some years ago, uh, "You are not saved through faith alone." Period. Be killing sin. Period.
0: So his view—he even though he writes a critique of N.T. Wright, his view is in one sense very similar to N.T. Wright's.
2: In in some respects, yeah, it's not—it's not ultimately uh, fundamentally different because. Uh, because, because he got the two stages. And this is the thing. So people always come back to me. But he says, justification by grace alone, through fa- faith alone, and Christ alone. Great. That's only stage one. That's like Doug Wilson, you, the, the Federal Vision. You get stage one. And if people only focus on stage one, well, then it sounds fine. But what about stage two? And, the, and that's the problem. We don't—in Protestant theology, in Reformed theology, we don't have two stages. Excellent. Yep. That's, and, that's and a if, great way to put so it. So you've got to a two-stage system so that, for example, as, as one notable Reformed theologian has said repeatedly, Romans 2.13 is about, about the spirit-wrought sanctity in the believer whereby finally he's accepted with God. And that's just nonsense, right? And so anytime you have a two-stage system, you've got a problem. And so watch out for anybody who's talking about two stages. And there are some good people I know who talk about two stages, and it's just a, it's a serious mistake. Um, some of it's because people don't know our system, right? There are people—there was a movement in Reformed theology in the 70s that uh, was parallel to some of what goes on in dispensationalism. You know, uh, there are notable dispensationalists who say that they're going to preach a passage or, or um, you know, as if nobody's ever uh, read or, or preached this passage before, Right. right? That's called biblicism. There was a lot of biblicism in Reformed theology in the 1970s. Okay. We lost track of our, our tradition, our catechisms, our confessions, and our older theologians and their vocabulary, and we started over from scratch. And frankly, we did a, a pretty miserable job of it. Okay. So part of my job is to get people reconnected with our older writers and our, our confessions, our catechisms, so that we don't make— Dumb mistakes like this. So
0: you mentioned dispensationalism. Yeah. I've found it to be true that oftentimes in dispensationalists, they in dispensationalism they don't like the do. The, they don't understand the do this and live thing. Um,
2: they don't because they don't. Dispensationalism isn't grounded in the Reformation. It isn't grounded in historic Christian theology. I tell my students, you can either be a dispensationalist or or a historic Christian. You can't be both because dispensationalism is a novel system from the first part of the nineteenth century. Um, that is intentionally cut off from the tradition of the church, right? So there's a difference between living in the Christian tradition and being organically connected to it, growing out of it, reforming it, and and being something that's utterly separate in dispensationalism is utterly separate.
0: And ABC's 1 2 three's baby steps in understanding the Bible as it would relate to reformed theology, protestantism would be law gospel distinction mm-hmm. do this and live. These are some very basic things that yeah. we should be knowing from the very beginning, right?
2: That's right. And and uh, and to our shame, right, we hid our light under a bushel for a long time. Okay. Stagically. So
0: what would you say to someone who doesn't understand this and doesn't want to understand it? And they're a preacher. I'll pray for you.
2: Okay. I, all I can do is pray for that person, pray for the Holy spirit to convict their heart and change their mind. If, if somebody says, I don't want, I, I'm done with you. I love you. God love you. Get out of the pulpit. Don't do any more harm than you've already done. And I'll pray that God, the Holy spirit convicts you, makes you miserable and drives you to your knees so you'll find out how desperately you personally need Jesus and how desperately your people need Jesus. And then maybe you'll be fit to be in the pulpit. But until then, you're not—and I say this about myself. I, I, in some ways, was not fit to be in the pulpit. I, I, you know, um, I denied my people in some ways uh, for for way too many years, or the people that were hearing me preach, uh, the, the confidence and the assurance that comes from the gospel uh, because I, I had these things muddled. So— If you say this is new to me and I'm I'm struggling, fine, I get that. Let's talk. That's good. But if you say to me, I don't want to know, then all I can do is pray for you and pray that God convicts you because you're obviously a stubborn, uh, stubborn man and you're impenitent
0: and and arrogant. (laughs) There you go. Well, here on the Pactum, we we love pastors. We love the church, uh, Christ's bride, but we also... And we love the sheep. We we love the sheep. And so I would say to those of you who are listening, if your pastor doesn't understand the covenant of works, if he doesn't understand the di- the distinction, if he doesn't understand do this and live, try to help him. And pastors, those of you who are listening, I'm not trying to throw rocks at you. I want to support you, but we've got to get this right because it just leads to abuse. It leads to
2: confusion. It doesn't lead to honoring Christ. And we need to be clear about and that. And you're not, yeah, so you're not helping your people. And I know you want to help your people, Pastor, and uh, that's why you're doing this. And you, you you want to minister to them. And you didn't you never got this in school. I understand that, <laughs> trust me. Um, but but you can get this. You can learn this, and you should learn this. And it is
0: liberating and oh. freeing and empowering and motivating, oh. and will change your preaching forever. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: You won't always get it right, but you'll have a framework within which to work. And to preach and teach, and you'll you 'll have a way of going at 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 all of the all of scripture in some way or other that will help you and if nothing else, it will keep you from doing serious damage
0: scott i'm so grateful that we were able to sit down and do this it 's going to be a great episode i 'm thankful i 'm thankful for you. Thank you so much for doing it
2: I am happy to be here, so God love you
0: if you want to connect with Scott Clark, you want to know more you want to be. Connected with him, you can find him on Twitter at rscottclark, correct? Until they throw me off, yes. Or getter at rscottclark. You can find (laughs) him there. (laughs) Just in case they do throw me off. Heidelblog.com. Dot net. Any other places where you want them to reach out to you?
2: Nope, that's it. Heidelblog.net.
0: Okay, and then I'll post in the show notes your personal email and phone number and address.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you don't have to do that. Every Nigerian prince already has There you email. go. These my email. So. I want to say
0: thank you for listening to The Pactum today. We love being loved, and we love loving. We love the truth. We love the Lord Jesus Christ because he loved us first. If you want to be in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at The Pactum, Getter at The Pactum, Instagram at The Pactum Theology, or thepactum.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Pactum.